0: Welcome to the Reflections on the risale Inur nur by Bediüzzaman Sa'id Nursi podcast series. In this episode, Inshallah, we will continue to read the Eighth Word. In the past episode, we read through the parable section of the Eighth Word. And very briefly, the parable was about two brothers, two men, who were both on a journey and in the journey they both came to a um, plane and a lion attacked them they ran and came to a well they both jumped into the well because they were afraid of the lion tearing them apart and as they were falling halfway through their hand touched a the branches of a tree and they grabbed onto the tree and they were stuck there and as they looked what they saw was that the the uh, the tree was growing out of the walls of the well and there were two animals eating through its roots and they when they looked down they saw a dragon extending its head up the well trying to reach their feet to in a, in a, as it looked to swallow them and when they looked at the three branches of the tree what they saw was that it was a fig tree but there were many different sorts of fruits growing on it the first one because he looked from a negative dark pessimistic maybe we can say even ugly perspective with an ugly lens with a dark lens he did not see anything positive in this he could not bear the pain of that suspension in the middle of the well, where he could neither die, you know, let himself go because that's too fearsome, nor climb out of the well because there is the lion, nor do anything else. He found the solution to, to his problem, and this was a false solution in becoming heedless, and just grabbing the fruits and eating, while his um conscience his heart and also intellect continued to feel the pain of being in that state on the other hand the other brother because he had a beautiful perspective a beautiful lens that he looked through he recognized that this plane the world that he was in the well The lion, the dragon, the tree, the animals gnawing on its roots, the well, these were all owned. These were all the possessions of an owner, someone in charge. He recognized that there was somebody in charge and he put his trust in that somebody in charge and started to contemplate. What these may actually mean, if there is a meaning behind the apparent uh, circumstances that he was witnessing, and from that positive thought there emerged the curiosity to know about the owner. From that there emerged a love, a longing to meet the owner, to know more about the owner, and. He was inspired, the key that cracked open the reality from the apparent circumstances that he, he thought he was in, and that was a supplication to the owner, and he supplicated the owner to reveal himself and the truth of what he was witnessing to him. And that was revealed to him, the walls of the well opened, and what he saw was that this Beautiful garden with victuals and blessings and and he walked through so this is in a nutshell the parable and uh, I may have missed some points I may have hopefully hopefully not but added some points it would be much better if you have not heard the first episode of the eight word to go ahead and listen to it or to read the uh, parable section of the eighth word before continuing to continuing to listen to this episode inshallah otherwise we will continue from where we left because uh, if we read through the parable one more time it's going to be too long and we will not be able to fit this into an episode so this is where we left after the parable and this is where Bediüzzaman Said Nursi was moving on to the reality that is represented in this parable or in this representation bismillah Işte ey tembel nefsim ve ey hayali arkadaşım oh my lazy soul or see oh my lazy soul and my imaginary friend and another reminder Bediüzzaman Said Nursi Ustad Nursi is Always addressing his own soul first. And this is the key or one of the keys to the effectiveness of his words. He is experiencing, he is living what he is preaching. And we should be like that too. We should not just read this. I should not be just reading this. I should try to internalize this, and you should not be just listening to it as if you are listening to a radio program Um, somewhere. Statnose tells his students. Don't read the Risa e nur as if you are reading a newspaper. Just read and move on. No. Contemplate on it. Pay attention to it. Uh, try to internalize it and then try to put it into action. The way the Sahabi uh, listen to the Prophet or listen to the Qur'an and try to put it into action word by word verse by verse and this is an interpretation of the quran this is a guidebook into the quran into understanding the message of the quran that is why it is important otherwise it is just another book out there but it is not just another book out there it is a book that is meant to help us understand the quran and that is why we need to listen to it or read it very carefully with the intention to actualize its message. So, going back to the subject, Ustad Nursi says, See, O my lazy soul and my imaginary friend. Come, let's compare the situations of these two brothers so that we see how good comes out of good and evil comes out of evil. Bu, geliniz, bu iki kardeşin vaziyetlerini müvazene edelim. Ta iyilik nasıl iyilik getirir ve fenalık nasıl fenalık getirir görelim, bilelim. I already read the translation for this sentence and that uh, we had read last week too. Bakınız, sol yolun bedbaht yolcusu her vakit ejderhanın ağzına girmeye muntazırdır, titriyor. Look, the unfortunate traveler of the left side, the, the road on the left side, trembles in constant expectation of being swallowed by the dragon. Whereas this fortunate one, the one who took the right side, although ended up in the same place, but perceived things from a positive Lens whereas this fortunate one is invited to a splendid garden full of fruits. While um paraphrasing the parable I said he walks you know, into the garden, no we, we ended up by saying he is invited. He is invited to a garden. He did not walk through it yet, but he will walk because he is invited. And this is this is an important nuance here because he is still hanging onto the tree, and when we see that this is you know, that the well represented, represents represents uh, one's lifetime, we are living. We did not die yet. We will walk through, and the dragon is the, the mouth of the dragon is the grave, and so on and so forth. We will walk through and enter that uh, garden. But even while here, while in this world, before death arrives. For the fortunate one, this is a waiting room, a lobby, before you know he walks into this beautiful garden. Whereas for the other one, there is no future. There is nothing beyond the well. He cannot cease to exist, and he cannot get out of the circumstances that he is in. He trembles in constant expectation of being swallowed by the dragon. right? Whereas this fortunate one is invited to a splendid garden full of fruits. (inaudible) Hem o bedbaht, elim bir dehşette ve azim bir korku içinde kalbi parçalanıyor. Ve şu bahtiyar ise leziz bir ibret, tatlı bir hav, mahbub bir marifet içinde garip şeyleri seyru temaşa ediyor. The unfortunate one's heart is pounded in a state of agonizing horror and overpowering fear, while the fortunate one observes and enjoys interesting phenomena, learns pleasing moral lessons, and attains an agreeable knowledge in a state of gratifying reverence. Hem o vahşet ve meyusiyet ve kimsesizlik içinde azap çekiyor, Ve ise ünsiyet ve ümid ve Moreover, that unfortunate one is tormented in a state of bewilderment and despair, while this fortunate one delights in familiarity, hope and aspiration. So, bewilderment and despair, the first one, as we remember, is in the middle of the well halfway through the well there are these animals that look wild and enemy like antagonistic they are eating the roots of the tree and eventually the tree is going to fall and the dragon is extending its head and opening its mouth and everything looks like an enemy there's nothing that is familiar that is friendly whereas the second one Although he sees the same things, he knows that this is a coded message. And the message is from the owner of these places. And he is his owner too. He is a slave of the master of these places. And because everything around is a coded message from the master who grows in himself as a beloved Everything is familiar. What does a letter that is received from the Beloved evoke in one, one's heart as, as an emotion? It is familiar. It is not enemy-like. It is not antagonistic. It is not threatening. That unfortunate one is tormented in a state of bewilderment and despair. And he doesn't see any hope. The, the second one, the, the fortunate one, has hope because he knows that this is a coded message and once he breaks the, breaks the code that's going to be a different world that's going to be a different experience that's going to take him to the master and that is what he wants. Hem o bedbaht kendini vahşi canavarların hücumuna maruz bir Mahpus, hükmünde görüyor ve şu bahtiyar ise bir aziz misafirdir ki Misafiri olduğu, kerimin, ile ünsiyet edip eğleniyor. That unfortunate one, moreover, that unfortunate one perceives himself as a prisoner, prisoner, suffering from the attack of wild animals. He is imprisoned in the middle of the world. Well. He cannot go anywhere. Suffering from the attack of wild animals, while this fortunate one, the, the lion, the dragon, and maybe if you think of it, even the, the mice, the rats that are uh, gnawing on the roots of the tree, these are all wild animals. They are all attacking and threatening. He is suffering from the attack of wild animals, while this fortunate one is an esteemed guest. So they are both stuck in the same location. But one feels like a prisoner, the other one feels like a guest. This fortunate one is an esteemed guest. He enjoys the company of his generous host's wondrous servants. Generous host is Mihmandar Kerim, and of course this is referring to God. He is enjoying the company of his generous host's wondrous servants. The generous host is not there yet, he is you know, beyond the lobby. But here are his servants and his servants are here to accompany him hem o betbaht zahiren leziz, mana zehirli yemişleri yemekle azabını tacil ediyor zira o meyveler numunelerdir tatmaya izin var ta asıllarına talip olup müşteri olsun yoksa hayvan gibi yutmaya izin yoktur ve şu bahtiyar ise tadar işi anlar yemesini tehir eder ve intizar ile telezüz eder. Hem o bedbaht, kendi kendine zulmetmiş. Gündüz gibi güzel bir hakikati ve parlak bir vaziyeti, basiretsizliği ile kendisine muzlim ve zulümatlı bir, ev, zulümatlı bir evham, bir cehennem şekline getirmiş. Ne şefkate müstahaktır ve ne de kimseden şekvaya hakkı vardır. That unfortunate one, brings his torment closer by eating the seemingly tasty yet essentially poisonous fruits. So there is a torment waiting for him. It is beyond this well because he did not use his mind, he did not use his heart, he did not, he did not use the instruments that were given to him. And in reality, even more than that, there is a clear message that is sent to us by the prophets by the messengers of God but even before that he is not using any of these instruments that are given to him to, to try to understand the reality beyond the uh, vision illusion that he is seeing he did not use them and therefore there is a torment that is there is a punishment that is waiting for him but maybe he doesn't believe that maybe he doesn't know that even then he is bringing that torment closer He is bringing closer by eating the seemingly tasty, yet essentially poisonous, fruits. And they are poisonous. In essence, they are poisonous. For those fruits are only samples and permission is extended to taste them. So those fruits are only samples. Permission is extended to taste them so as to seek and obtain the originals, the real ones. But there is no permission to gobble them up like animals. So there needs to be a there needs to be a measure in what he eats and how he eats. If he gobbles up everything that comes his way, like a maybe like a pig, you know, pigs eat everything that comes their way, then that is eventually going to end up, even in this world, that is going to end up in trouble. Either for health reasons or if he is consuming you know harmful things like alcohol or, or, or drugs he is going to bring even worse troubles to himself because he is going to lose his mind, he is going to lose his ability to survive even in this world. He is bringing the torment closer by not understanding the reality of these things, by thinking that these are just, just there, free to gobble up, and he's gobbling them up like animals. And this fortunate one, the fortunate one on the other hand, tastes and understands the situation he tastes and he understands the situation he delays eating and enters into a pleasant state of expectation now here there is a maybe a little nuance that we need to understand even if the first one the unfortunate one is also eating in moderation let's think yeah let's move away from the uh, parable for a a minute and think about reality. In real life, even if there are those people who are eating in moderation, who are very careful about their diet, they read through magazines and blogs and books and whatnot and they consult doctors and they are eating vegetarian or they are eating whole foods and so on and so forth, even if that is the case, and on the other side we have a believer who is eating the same things, perhaps even a bit less careful than the first one this is not necessarily what we are referring to the first one considers what he eats in this world as what he is ever going to eat this is it this is the complete uh, benefit utility that he can ever get from his existence and that in itself is torturous so in the first stage we talked about you know gobbling up and not being careful about what you eat not following the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that is important but that is not all of it there is more to this and that more is actually the uh, closer to the essence of what we are trying to convey here this first one the unfortunate unfortunate one considers what is before him say in a life of 70 years or let's extend his life because he is so careful about his health 90 years in this course of 90 years whatever he eats that is it and at each morsel that he puts in his mouth that this is a finite entity it is going to come to an end. And there is a pain, a pain of separation that we talked before. There is a pain of separation in each pleasure that he is getting from this world. If he thinks carefully about it, if he does not go into heedlessness, and one cannot live in a state of heedlessness his entire life, there will come the signs of death, there will come the signs of you know, termination uh, from this life, departing from this life, and then it's all going to to dawn onto this person. Even if it is at the last moment of his life, and if it is at the last moment of his life, Ustada Nursi uh, talks about this somewhere else, it's going to be the uh, accumulated pain of all the pain that was, not recognized because of heedlessness or or somehow pushed behind the, the level of consciousness. And it's going to all come, one way or another, that pain is felt in this world too. Because again, each morsel, each delight that this person is experiencing, in it carries the pain of separation because it was a delight one second after it is tasted. And it is no more. There may may be other delights coming, but that one, that one, is no more. And the ones that are coming, we know for sure, will also be no more. So there is this pain of separation that is embittering each and every pleasure that this person is having in this world. Whereas, the fortunate one, is looking forward to something in the future he understands that this is a coded message there is something going on here there are some expectations in this uh, route and in this even in this well because he knows that this is a route that he took where there is an order and so on so forth and he is looking forward to something else so each piece of delightful food he puts in his mouth, or each other kind of pleasure that he experiences in this world, he is going to savor it. He is going to know that this is the demonstration, the demo, the sample of something even better. And then he will think, if this is the sample, oh my, who knows what the real thing is going to be like. And he, this is going to increase, increase his desire to attain that eventual, ultimate, greater pleasure. And therefore, he is going to be living in a state of expectation and aspiration. This fortunate one tastes and understands the situation. He delays eating and enters into a pleasant state of expectation. So he does not he delays eating. He does not consider what is before him, what is ever there. He knows that the real gratification is going to come with delay, and he finds pleasure in this uh, aspiration, expectation for delayed gratification. So he is living in a state of pleasure. There is no pain for him. There is no pain. That unfortunate one wrongs himself. Through his lack of discernment, he turns a bright situation and a beautiful truth, clear as daylight, into an oppressing and dark worry, a hellish delusion for himself. Now, this doesn't mean that he is not hanging halfway, uh, you know, halfway through in the middle of the well, hanging onto a. Uh, three that is what he perceives and that is what the other one perceives too but what he is missing is that he took a uh, there was the opportunity to take a route on which or in which there would be order and there would be if there's order there would be someone who maintains order who ordains and maintains order and that would mean that would mean that there is a master of this route there is somebody in charge there is someone in charge if he knew that there was someone in charge and he was promised safety by this master of the place then he would think again and look and try to understand what is going on here he is not doing that and because he is not doing it he is restricted to the seeming material appearance, which is actually an illusion. But he is the one who is limiting himself. If he were to break out of this limitation, if he were to break break out of this cocoon that he weaved around himself, he would see reality. He is preventing himself from being able to see reality. He is wronging himself. He is the one who creates this darkness around himself. Through his lack of discernment, he turns a bright situation, because in reality, beyond that cocoon, it is bright, and it is beautiful, clear as daylight. He just needs to open his eyes. He just needs to tear through the cocoon. But he is not doing that. He is turning it into an oppressing and dark worry, a hellish delusion for himself. Neither does he deserve pity, nor has he the right to complain about and blame anyone. So this is also important. This is not happening to him because of anyone. The lion, the dragon, the the rats, seeming rats, the, the well, these are all wonders of the master of the place who is putting him through a trial. There is a test going on and he is refusing that this is a test and because he is refusing that this is a test he cannot solve the problem if you do not recognize that there is a problem you cannot solve it and he is refusing to recognize that there is a problem and therefore there is no one no one out there to blame other than himself mesela bir adam güzel bir bahçede ahbapların ortasında yaz mevsiminde Hoş bir ziyafetteki keyfe kanaat etmeyip, kendini pis müskirlerle sarhoş edip, kendisini kış ortasında canavarlar içinde aç, çıplak tahayyül edip, bağırmaya ve ağlamaya başlasa, nasıl şefkate layık değil, kendi kendine zulmediyor, dostlarını canavar görüp tahkir ediyor, işte bu bedbaht dahi öyledir ve şu bahtiyar ise hakikati görür. For example, Imagine a man, so this is another parable in parable, another representation, uh, and it also brings our minds, our understanding, closer to reality, closer to truth. That's why it is there. For example, imagine a man who, not being content with the pleasure of an enjoyable banquet in a beautiful garden. so this man is in a, at a beautiful gar- in a beautiful garden. ...attending a beautiful, pleasurable, enjoyable banquet. He is among dearly loved friends. All around him are dearly loved friends. On a summer day, bright, pleasant, sunny summer day. He is there, but he takes foul intoxicants and becomes drunk. Then hallucinates himself hungry and naked in the winter... Surrounded by demons. Thus, he starts crying and screaming. Would he deserve? Would he deserve pity? Now, we are not saying that some kind of calamity struck him and he lost his mind and, and therefore he is del- deluded. No, that's not what we are saying. He took foul intoxicants and he knew that they were foul intoxicants and he became drunk. He made himself drunk. Would he deserve pity? He is wronging himself. And he is also insisting on wronging himself. Even after he is told, look, stop drinking this this stuff and then you'll be fine. But he continues to take it and he is wronging himself. He takes his friends for demons and offends them. He is offending his friends. He is offending the world, the creation existence time time passes and he curses it for having passed whereas time is what is given to him as his capital to spend as we saw in uh in earlier treatises time is what is given to him as his capital to spend so that he can earn he can earn and increase his his uh, the, the blessings that are to come but he is not seeing that the The rain is there given to him as a blessing. If you think of reality, the rain is given as a blessing. For it's, it's it's mercy. The water that comes from the heavens is what makes the plants grow, and we are benefiting from them. We are eating them, but and it has you know many other benefits. It's it's an absolute mercy. But if somebody out of his delusion it were to go out while it is raining and it's cold without the necessary clothing and just wait there and soak through and shiver and get sick not out of uh, not having a choice but out of choice if he did this not out of necessity but out of choice so would he w- w- would we have Would we need to have pity on this person he is the one who is bringing it, bringing it on himself. He is thinking of the surrounding friends and everything in the creation are friends for us, to us. That, that they are our fellow creators of the Creator. They are all fellow. But he is seeing them as demons. He is screaming. He is offending them. So. This unfortunate one is also like that. And that fortunate one, so this unfortunate one is like the person who is in that beautiful garden, enjoyable banquet, surrounded by friends, but but takes out intoxicants and starts screaming and crying and thinking of himself in the winter and naked and hungry and offending the friends, taking them as demons. This unfortunate one is also like that. He is like that and that fortunate one on the other hand that fortunate one perceives the reality perceives reality reality what is reality? Hakikat ise güzeldir Hakikat ise güzeldir Hakikatin hüsnünü derk etmekle hakikat sahibinin kemaline hürmet eder rahmetine müstihak olur so we said what is reality? reality is beautiful. So everybody should write this somewhere visible and read every day. Reality is beautiful. Reality is what we are living in and it is beautiful. That is the premise. That is the given fact. That is the basis foundation for everything. Reality is beautiful. If we are experiencing something that is not beautiful It is not because there is something wrong out there, but because there is something wrong in us. We need to change our point of view. This doesn't mean that there is no, you know, there is no sorrow, there is no difficulty, there is no trouble, and so on and so forth. No, that is not what we are talking about here. There are difficulties, there are troubles, there is sorrow. This is the nature of the world that we are living in. And because this is a testing ground and the testing ground has to have questions you cannot have a test without problems you cannot have a test without questions and there are questions that we need to answer there are situations in which we are tested with regard to how we are going to respond but the reality is not limited to our moment-to-moment day-to-day experience reality is something bigger Reality is grand and great and beautiful. Maybe we can think of this as a you know, beautiful music, and they think that you are hearing the notes of the music, the tune, you know, increasing, decreasing, moving, and so on, and so forth. And all that exists in this tune is beautiful, but in the tune there will also be moments of silence and that is part of the tune that is what makes the entirety of the tune the, the the music beautiful if you take those moments of silence out something will be missing and this is a music we are assuming that that that that is that has a silence built into it those moments of silence those instances of instance of silence are part of the music and they are completing the music. They are what makes the music complete. However, if one one were to uh, focus only at that moment of silence and hear nothing but silence, and this person was asked what do you hear, he could say, or he would say, just silence, nothing. Is ugly. Well, that's because this person is not seeing the bigger reality. This person is not, is not seeing the reality itself. He is just focusing on a part of the reality that owes its beauty to the entirety of the beauty and that also completes that entirety by its particular existence. So there is sorrow, there is difficulty, there are troubles, but they are part of a greater reality which is beautiful and therefore reality is beautiful. This is the foundational fact that we are going to move from. This is the premise that, are, that we are going to, to begin from for every consideration. Reality is beautiful. Reality is beautiful by appreciating by appreciating the beauty in reality by appreciating the beauty in reality he shows respect to the absolute perfection of the owner of reality, the master of reality, and deserves his mercy and this This is the key point reality has a has an owner, and one who does not show respect to the owner of reality. And on his uh, earn his mercy is not going to go anywhere. He's not going to go anywhere other than tormenting himself in this world and deserving the the ultimate punishment in the hereafter. If it is not for the mercy of the master of all, the owner of all, no one can go anywhere. That is going to be enjoyable we don't want we don't want to go there nobody wants to go there we want his mercy we we need his mercy we are dependent on his mercy at every moment of our lives and we will continue to be dependent on his mercy in the hereafter to eternity and we are so lucky we are so blessed that he is merciful that is what we need and that is what he has and that is what he is willing to give. And that is what he has elevated over his wrath. We are so lucky. And we, therefore, we, we, need, we need to, you know, once we recognize this, we, we cannot but love him. We love him. İşte fenalığı kendinden iyiliği Allah'tan bil olan hükmü Kur'an'ının sırrı zahir oluyor. Daha bunlar gibi sair farkları müvazene etsen anlayacaksın ki evvelkisinin nefs emmaresi ona bir manevi cehennem ihzar etmiş. Ve ötekisinin hüsnü niyeti ve hüsnü zanlı ve hüsnü hasleti ve hüsnü fikri onu büyük bir ihsan ve saadete ve parlak bir fazilete ve feyze, feyze mazhar etmiş. Hence, the secret of the Qur'an's dictum. Whatever good happens to you, it is from God, and whatever evil befalls you, it is from yourself, is being revealed. And this is uh, from a verse in Surat Nisa, the fourth chapter of the Qur'an, and the 79th verse in that. And a uh, translation of that verse would be as follows. Whatever good happens to you, it is from God. And whatever evil befalls you it is from yourself we have sent you o messenger to humankind as a messenger and god suffices for a witness so therefore after reading this parable and contemplating reflecting upon uh, a bit on what it means we come to the conclusion that the secret of the quran's dictum Whatever good happens to you, it is from God, and whatever evil befalls you, it is from yourself, is being revealed. We, we, have an underst- we develop an understanding of that. If you compare other differences like this, i.e. The, we are comparing the uh, state of the fortunate person and the state of the unfortunate person, if you compare other differences like this about the situations of these two men, you will understand that the evil commanding soul of the first one the compulsive and evil commanding soul, nafs, of the first one, has prepared a metaphysical, Manevi, we talked about this word before, a metaphysical hell for himself. It is not real, we are talking about this word, yet. It is not real, it is not a physical hell, but in his conception, in his cognition, in the meanings that he attributes to it, it is like hell. His evil commanding soul has prepared a metaphysical hell for himself. While the second one's good assumptions, good intentions, good character and good ideas have made him worthy of immense bestowals and happiness along with bright virtues and blessings. And here these are very important um, qualities. That we all need to attain, not only because it is virtuous, but also because it is the way to happiness, both in this world and in the hereafter. Good assumptions. Thinking positively. Now, This doesn't mean be, being Polyannas. We don't need to twist reality. We don't need to be Pollyannas there is beauty in reality itself we need to see the beauty in reality without having to twist it and sometimes this happens by seeing the larger reality and rather than larger reality rather than trying to twist instance of reality that we are living through so if we are sick we acknowledge that we are sick but we then find blessings in being sick if we are going through tribulations, we acknowledge that we are going through tribulations, but we look forward, and we see what is to come if we go through the tribulations in a state of patience. Good assumptions, good intentions, we try to have good intentions. If we cannot realize what we intend, we still preserve our intention, we try to rectify it, good character. And, you know, all of this emanates emanates from good character and good ideas. We try to avoid bad ideas. We try to protect our ears. We try to protect our eyes. We try to protect our intellect. We try to protect our heart. We try to protect it from the sources that serve as um, conduits of satanic ideas. And this is also important, especially in the at the time that we are living in, in the world that we are living in, in which uh, bo- both good ideas and bad ideas travel so fast and so widely. However, because the evil commanding souls are so powerful, they are attracted to the, the evil ideas, evil uh, practices. And because the evil commanding souls of so many people are so powerful, both good and bad are traveling fast and wide, but there is more demand for bad. There is more demand for evil, and this is strengthening evil. Each time evil is consumed in, this, in the consumerist society, uh, global consumerist society that we are living in, it is becoming stronger, a bit more, because it is, it is increasing its capital and investing it. Therefore, it is very important to preserve good ideas and to protect ourselves in this world. Good assumptions, good intentions, good character, good ideas. That is what has made this fortunate person worthy of immense bestowals and happiness, along with bright virtues and blessings. Einefsim ve beraber bu hikayeyi dinleyen adam. O my soul and O the man who listens to this story with my soul. Eğer bedbaht kardeş olmak istemezsen ve bahtiyar kardeş olmak istersen, Kur'an'ı dinde ve hükmüne muti ol ve ona yapış ve ahkamıyla amel et. Now we are coming to the application of the reality we, we learned about. What is the practical outcome of what, what we learned? What do we need to do having learned this knowledge? Ey nefsim ve ey beraber bu hikayeyi dinleyen adam. O my soul and all the man who listens listens to this story with my soul. Eğer bedbaht kardeş olmak istemezsen, bahtiyar kardeş olmak istersen, Kur'an'ı dinle ve hükmüne mutlî ol ve ona yapış ve ahkamıyla amel et. If you do not want to be the unfortunate brother, and we should all stop here and ask to ourselves, composite souls and and also the broader entity that we call the self. We use the same word for both of them in Arabic and in many cases in English too. Oh my myself, what do you want to be? Which one do you want to be? The unfortunate brother who just puts himself in a state of heedlessness and keeps gobbling up and maybe temporarily Seeming to enjoy the fruits that are spread around, but in reality also eating with biting with each fruit a, a bitter taste, a burning taste, uh, that's lacerating through his tongue because of the pain of separation. If, is, is that what we want to be, or do we want to be the fortunate one? if you do not want to be the unfortunate brother, but rather the fortunate one, and I ask myself and I say, I want to be the fortunate one, then listen to the Quran, follow its rulings, adhere to it, and act as it decrees. Identifying where the solution is, is very easy. It is the Quran. It is God's message. It is the message that the master of these places sent to us, it is the message that explains the code the code that we apply to what we see what we observe around us and by applying see reality as reality is that is the quran listen to it follow its commands adhere to it and act as it decrees Şu hikayeyi temsiliyede olan hakikatları eğer fehmettin ise hakikati dini ve dünyayı ve insanı ve imanı ona tatbik edebilirsin. Mühimlerini ben söyleyeceğim, incelerini sen kendin istihraç et. If you understood the realities that are represented in this parable, you can infer the realities of religion, this world, the man and faith from it. Now, at the beginning, uh, we should all remember, Stadnursi told us what was to come, what we needed to expect to learn from this treatise. And there we mentioned realities of religion, the meaning of this world, the uh, place of place function of man in this world, and the, the value of faith. If you understood the realities that are represented in this parable, you can infer the realities of religion, this world, the man, and faith from it. I will mention the important ones; you can figure out the more subtle points. So, Stadnursi is saying that he is going to tell us some of them, but we need not stop there and keep thinking, keep keep contemplating. So, the treatise is not going to end where we stop reading, uh, vocalizing its words. Actually, it is going to continue in our reflection, in our contemplation. İşte bak, o iki kardeş ise biri ruhu mü'min ve kalbi salihtir. Diğeri ruhu kafir ve kalbi fasıktır. Ve o iki tarikten sağ ise tariki Kur'an ve imandır, sol ise tariki isyan ve küfrandır. Ve yoldaki, o yoldaki bahçe ise cemiyeti beşeriye ve medeniyet insaniye içinde muvakkat hayat-ı içtimaiyedir ki hayır ve şer, iyi ve fena, temiz ve pis şeyler beraber bulunur. So, look, among those two brother, brothers, one is a believing spirit and righteous heart, the other is a disbelieving spirit and sinful heart. So the words that I use here are Ruhu Mu'min Ruh is spirit Mu'min Believing Believing spirit And qalbi Salih A righteous heart And the other On the other side What we have is Ruhu Kafir Unbelieving Disbelieving Spirit And qalbi Fasuk A heart that is Used to sinning And so sinful That it does not Feel the agony of sin anymore among those two roads the one on the right is the path of belief and the Quran while the one on the left is the path of rebellion and disbelief the Quran is showing a way and whoever departs from that is taking the other way and that other way is the the, the path of um, disbelief and rebellion and again, the word for disbelief, I think we talked about this before, but maybe it is worth talking here again. Both in the cases of Ruhu Kafir, the disbelieving spirit, and the, the route of the path of uh, disbelief, the word that is being used is Kafir and Kufran. And that is, uh, at its root, the word comes from covering up the way a the way a a farmer for instance would dig the land and put a seed in it and then cover it up or a squirrel would do that and why it is why is this significant because what's happening here is that the seed is still there or the nut that the uh, squirrel covered up is still there by covering it up we are not uh, annihilating it it is not moving out of existence it is not ceasing to exist it is there that the spirit is denying the existence of reality and therefore is is a disbeliever does not mean that the reality is not there in this person's perception that may that may be the case but the reality is there that the the uh, followers of this path are closing their eyes and ears to reality does not mean that the reality is not there. They are just pushing themselves into forgetfulness and heedlessness and whatnot. But the reality is that they are just covering it up. It's the the, the cocoon example that we talked about. The garden on the road, on the path that they came to, is a temporary social life in human society and civilization temporary social life in human society and civilization good and evil sound and ill clean and unclean exist in it together so in society in life there is good and there is evil there is what is sound and there is what is um, ill or evil and there is uh, clean and there is unclean it is all there. It is all there, and if it is all there, even that shows us that there is something. There is a test going on. There are right answers, there are wrong answers, there are correct answers, and there are wrong answers. And we are put in front of that that uh, question sheet, and there is nothing else that we can see around. That we are left in this classroom for a given period of time, and we are sitting in front of a question sheet. What else can it mean? What else can it mean other than that we are here to solve these questions? Akıl odur ki Safa sava daamekeder kaydesiyle eder And that is, take what is sound and clear, and leave what is problematic and disturbing. The wise ones act according to the principle of take what is good and leave what is not good or leave what is uh, problematic and disturbing, and they carry on with peace in heart. They carry on with, with what? They carry on with peace in heart. Ve o sahra ise şu ars ve dünyadır, ve o arslan ise ölüm ve eceldir, ve o kuyu ise bedeni insan ve zamanı hayattır. Ve o altmış arşın derinlik ise ömrü vasatî ve ömrü galibi olan altmış seneye işarettir. Ve o ağaç ise müddeti ömür ve maddeyi hayattır. Ve o siyah ve beyaz iki hayvan ise gece ve gündüzdür. Ve o ejderha ise ağzı kabir olan tali kaberzahiye ve rava akukrebiyedir. Fakat o ağız mümin için zindandan bir bahçeye açılan bir kapıdır. Ve o haşerat muzırrâ ise musibeti dünyeviyedir. Fakat mü'min için, kahvet uykusuna dalmamak için tatlı ikazatı ı ilahiye ve iltifatatı rahmaniye hükmündedir. Ve o aştaki yemişler ise dünyevi nimetlerdir ki, Cenabı ı kerim Mutlak onları ahiret nimetlerine bir liste, hem ihtar edici, hem müşabihleri, hem cennet meyvelerine müşterileri davet eden numuneler suretinde yapmış. A bit long. As for that plane, it is the earth... And in the, and this world, while the lion represents death and the appointed time of death, the well is the human body. The well is the human body, and the time spent in life. That depth of sixty yards points to the average and prevalent lifespan of sixty years. So there is nothing in the representation in the parable that was there just for, uh, you know, literary purposes. They all represent something, the plane, this world, the lion, death, the well, the human body, and the time spent in this life, the, the 60, uh, or human body and life, the 60 yards, on average, 60 years of uh, life, you know, the average and prevalent lifespan of 60 years, it may be longer now, uh, in the 21st century, and that tree is the duration of life and the substances needed for life those two animals one white and one black are day and night and they are eating every day and every night are eating our tree of life one day it's going to come to an end and that dragon is the grave like and that dragon is the grave like a gate opening to the pathway of the intermediate realm and the arcades of the hereafter yet for the believer that mouth is a gate opening from prison to garden. Those harmful vermin are the tribulations of this world. But for the believer they serve as warnings from God and favors from the most merciful, Ar-Rahman, that prevent him from the believer from stumbling into heedlessness. So if there is no other benefit for a uh, to the tribulations that we experience to sickness and accidents and losses and and whatnot if there's no other benefit they are there to warn us to break us out of to prevent us from stumbling into heedlessness because heedlessness is is the the real tribulation or even not tribulation is the real uh, crisis is the real tragedy, the real desperation. Heedlessness is the tragedy. It may prevent us from experiencing feeling that pain of separation, and that's why many people, you know, hurl themselves into heedlessness, yet it is the tragedy. Because it is what prevents them from being able to see reality. It is what prevents them from being able to break out of that cocoon. Ve o ağaçtaki yemişler ise dünyevi nimetlerdir ki, Cenab-ı kerim Mutlak onları ahiret nimetlerine bir liste hem ihtar edici, hem müşabihleri, hem cennet meyvelerine, müşterileri davet eden numuneler suretinde yaratmış. Um, as for the fruits on that tree, they are the blessings of this world. The absolutely generous, exalted one, Janab Kerimotlak, God, the absolutely generous, exalted one, his generosity is what's emphasized here, has made them those blessings, the blessings of this world, in the form of a catalog for the blessings of the hereafter. This is a very powerful uh, imagery here. Next time you look around the world, and see all the blessings that are spread on it by your Lord, by, by our Lord. The flowers, the trees, the food that's in the refrigerator, or we don't even need to look around the world, just look down and see your fingers, how how um, agile they are, how dexterous our hands are how beautiful they are created, how beautifully they are created to serve the purposes that they are created for. Next time we look around and see all of these, we need to think that this is like a catalog. This is not the real thing. We look at the catalog and we order things from the catalog. We don't say if there is, if you ordered food from the catalog, we don't eat the picture in the catalog. We sense something of that food. We learn something about that food. We, can even, uh, we may even be able to imagine how that food might taste and that might give us a pleasure, which it does. That's the pleasure that we have in this world, but that is still a picture in the catalog. That's not the real thing. The absolutely generous, exalted one has made them those blessings in this world in the form of a catalog for the blessings of the hereafter, as reminders of those blessings, and similar to them, like samples inviting customers to the fruits of the paradisical garden. So they are like the fruits in the uh, garden because they are inviting us to there, but they are also different because they are not to their, their scale. What is in the garden is not imaginable in its reality to us, but there is something of it in what we taste in this world. Ve o ağacın birliğiyle beraber muhtelif başka başka meyveler vermesi ise, kudret samedaniyenin sikkesine, the multiple different types of fruits growing on that single tree points to the stamp of the eternal episode, one's power, to the seal of divine nurturing mastership, and to the signature of divine sovereignty, so these are all um, very powerful very important concepts that inshallah are going to open up uh, significantly more as we read through the risale Inur. therefore we are not going to spend too much time on them but i will just read through the sentence one more time the multiple different types of fruits growing on that single tree so there is one tree but many things are growing on it. Points to the stamp of the eternally besought one's power. Qutrati samadaniya. Because we know that those, those fruits are not coming from the branches of this dry wood. They are coming from the power of the eternally besought one. That is, the one, as as the one who is in need of nothing and everything is in need of. And everything includes... Those branches on the tree. Therefore, the branches are not the source of the fruit. The stem is not the source of the fruit. The root is not the source of the fruit. The soil is not the uh, source of the fruit. The source of the fruit is the power of the eternally besought one. To the seal of divine nurturing mastership, rububiyyat ilahiyya. They are all coming. They are all from made from one thing, but they are made into different things. And this also shows something, because it will come. One who is not in charge of everything cannot make anything. And to the signature of divine sovereignty, and the uh, the Turkish word that is used for this is sultanat uluhiyyat. So the sovereignty of God's position as God. Uluhiyet. Divine, divinity. His divinity. Çünkü bir tek şeyden her şeyi yapmak, yani topraktan bütün nebatat ve yapmak, hem bir sudan bütün hayvanatı halk etmek, hem basit bir yemekten bütün cihazatı hayvaniyeyi icat etmek, bununla beraber her şeyi bir tek şey yapmak, yani zihayatın yediği gayet muhtelif cinsli amlardan o zihayata bir lahm mahsus yapmak. Bir cild-i basit dokumak gibi sanatlar, Zat-ı ı Samet olan Sultane Ezel ve Ebed'in sikki-i hassasıdır. Hatemi mahsusudur, taklit edilmez bir turrasıdır. So this is an explanation of what we just talked about. Because arts-like turning one thing into all things. One thing into all things. What does that mean? Taking one thing and making all things from it. That is, the explanation is coming. That is, making all fruits and vegetables from soil. Creating all animals from a bit of water. Or bringing all the bodily bodily organs of animals into existence from simple nutrients. We can take this further, since science allows us to uh, reflect upon the reality of the creation in, in deeper ways. We can take this further and say, remember those atom, uh, subatomic particles. However far uh, it it will go, let's think at the level of the neutron and proton and electrons. But actually, it goes even beyond that, and probably at some point it is. It all boils down to one single thing. Our scholars who, uh, you know, did not use micro, electron microscopes and other uh, technically advanced gadgets uh, but use their intellect got to this point and could they call it ether everything is made of those so uh, while reading this I'm using a computer and a microphone the computer is made from I don't know what this is made of like plastic glass pieces of metal different chemical uh, chemical um, alloys, uh, compounds, and what not, whatever they are, it, it is made of. At the end, if we go deep enough, if we you know, take it apart uh, to the lowest level, the computer is made of the same material that I am made of. And if we take it one step further, we are both made of kun. Because he says b, and it is, he says He says kun feyakun. We are all coming from that one command that God gave. Kun be. We We will all boil down to be. But in this world, before we go there, even in this world, in the physical world that we can analyze and observe, if we took it to the lowest level, my physical material body is ultimately made up of, is the same thing that this computer is made of. Turning one thing into all things. That is, making all fruits and vegetables from soil, creating all animals from a bit of water, or bringing all the bodily organs of animals into existence from simple nutrients, while turning all things into one thing. That is, art such as making the appropriate type of flesh or weaving skins for each creation, from many different types of foods. The um, koala eats eucalyptus uh, shoots and leaves, and it has fur and eyes and blood and so on and so forth. I eat many different things. I have the same uh, lions eat meat, uh, game meat, and they have the same... How is that happening? Is there any technology out there that can take eucalyptus branches, shoots, and leaves and make it into a living creature like the koala? How is that happening? Is that not a miracle? That is a miracle. While turning all things into one thing, that is, art such as making the appropriate type of flesh, and weaving skins for each creation from many different types of foods, that living organisms eat, carry the distinctive seal, so all of this, carries the distinctive seal and special stamp of the sultan of pre-existence and eternity, sultan Abad, who is the eternally besought unique one, zat Ahadu Samad. They each reveal his inimitable signature. Evet, bir şey her şey ve her şeyi bir şey yapmak her şeyin has ve bir nişandır, bir ayettir. Yes, turning one thing into all things and turning all things into one thing. Turning one thing into all things and turning all things into one thing is a title and sign that belongs only and only to the omnipotent, all-powerful qadir, creator. Al-Khaliq, of all things, Qadir-i Kulli Şeyh. Al-Khaliq'na has ve Qadir-i uh, Kulli Şeyh'e mahsus. So, it, is, it belongs only to the omnipotent, all-powerful creator of all things. Next. Ve o tılsım ise, sırr-ı iman ile açılan, sırr-ı hikmet-i hülkattir. ve o miftah ise, يَا اللَّهُ لَا إِلَٰهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَٰهَ إلا هو الحي القيوم So, we are thinking about the reality. We are starting to see the reality of, not the parable world, but the real world that we are seeing around. We are starting to see the reality behind it and the code. That helps us see that reality. This will say. As for that coded message, it points to the secret wisdoms of the act of creation that is revealed through the secret of belief. And that key is Ya Allahu la ilaha illallah. O oh God, there is no deity worthy of worship but He, but God. And Allah la ilaha illa al Hayyul Qayyum. God, there is no deity, but he, the living, the sustainer. Ve o ejderha ağzı bahçe kapısından inkılap etmesi ise işarettir ki, kabir, ehli dalalet ve tuğyan için, vahşet ve nisyan içinde zindan gibi sıkıntılı ve bir ejderha batnı gibi dar bir mezara açılan bir kapı olduğu halde, ehli Kur'an ve iman için zindana dünyadan bostana bekaya, and the transformation of that dragon's mouth into a garden gate points to the fact that for those who go astray and exceed the bounds in a state of rebellion, the grave is a distressing prison in a state of abandonment and desolation, and it is constricted like the stomach of a dragon. Now, this is the reality of the, of the grave, but it is also what the this believer uh, thinks of in his own imagination as his final abode too. And here we are not talking about you know, how a person's body is dealt with after the person dies, whether it is burned and the ashes are thrown into a river, or whether it's buried or whatever, composted. We are not talking about that. We are talking about what the disbeliever can possibly imagine himself to be after death. It is either annihilation, and to all, the loss of everything that is beloved in this world, or, uh, which is more consistent with this reality, it is a distressing prison in a state of abandonment, because everybody that he loves, everything that he loves, will depart and desolation, and it is constricted like the stomach of a dragon. Yet, for believers who follow the Qur'an, it is a gate that opens from the prison of this world to the eternal garden, from the testing ground to the plains of paradise, and from worldly troubles and exertions to the mercy of the most merciful one, Ar-Rahman. Ve dahi munis bir hizmetkâra dönmesi ve bir at olması ise ki, ehl-i dalalet için bütün mahbubatından elîm bir firak-ı ebedidir. Hem kendi cenneti kâzibe-i dünyeviyesinden ihraç ve vahşet ve yalnızlık içinde zindanı mezara ithal ve hapis olduğu halde, ehl-i hidayet ve ehl-i Kur'an için öteki âleme gitmiş eski dost ve ahbaplarına kavuşmaya vesiledir. Hem hakiki vatanlarına ve ebedi makamı saadetlerine girmeye vasıtadır. ...hem zindana dünyadan, Bostana cinana bir davettir. Hem Rahman-ı Rahim'in fazlından kendi hizmetine mukabil, ahz the ücret etmeye bir nöbettir. Hem vazife hayat külfetinden bir terhistir. Hem ubudiyet ve imtihanın talim ve talimatından bir And the transformation of that lion into a friendly servant and a horse ready for use points to this. So the lion, as we remember represents death. For those who have gone astray, death is a painful and permanent separation from all beloved ones. Even if they think that there is nothing after life, it is still a painful and permanent separation from all beloved ones. It is expulsion from what he falsely perceives to be his paradise on this earth, and entry to an imprisonment in the prison of the grave. Whereas, for those who are guided to the right path and for the followers of the Quran, that is an opportunity to meet one's old friends and beloved ones who have already passed on to the other world. For those who are really young and who have not lost any of their beloved ones yet, that might be a rare situation, but for those who are lucky not to have lost any of their beloved ones to death, that may sound like too far this may not make real sense but for those who have lost beloved ones to death death is an opportunity to meet them again and that is beautiful especially for an old person let's say the person is in his 60s 70s 80s whatever a person who is closer to death we are all close to death we know we don't know when we are going to die but we are talking about generals here and also when a person is older he has more beloved ones uh, who have passed on to the other side. It is an opportunity to meet them. That is an opportunity to meet one's old friends and beloved ones who have already passed on to the other world. It is the means to enter one's true home, an abode of unending bliss. And this is also important. We know that this world is not our true home, it is like a picnic in the shade of a tree. On a long journey, we stop by there, we take a rest, we sit down under the tree a little bit, and then move on. We don't belong to it. But there is a place that we really belong to. Our spirit is, is blown from God. And we met Him. We gave our covenant to Him. We were all in paradise in the loins of our father, Adam, a. We are all longing for that eternal abode. We are all yearning to meet the Lord again. And death is the means to enter one's true home and abode of unending bliss. It is an invitation to move on from the prison of this world to the paradisical garden. Moreover, it is the time, death, moment of death, is the time to receive recompense for the merciful and compassionate one's generosity for the services rendered to him. It is also release. So we said that there are burdens, tribulations, sickness, troubles, accidents, disasters, whatnot in this world. Death is also release from the burdens of the duty of life and discharge from the testing and training involved in servanthood or slavehood elhasıl her kim hayatı fâniyeyi esas maksad yapsa, zahiren bir cennet içinde olsa da manen cehennemdedir ve her kim hayatı bakiyeye ciddi müteveccih ise saadet-i dareyne mazhardır. Dünyası ne kadar fena ve sıkıntılı olsa da dünyasını cennetin intizar salonu hükmünde gördüğü için hoş görür tahammül eder, sabır içinde şükreder. This is also beautiful. In short, whoever takes this transient life as his actual purpose, he is in hell even if he appears to be in the heaven. And whoever has seriously turned his face to eternal life, he has the happiness of both worlds. Whoever has seriously turned his face to eternal life, he has the happiness of both worlds. Not only the not only the eternal life, but both worlds: this world and the hereafter. Even though his world may be based and constricted, because he sees it as a waiting room before the garden. So there is the garden. It is a place that we are going to enter. And before we enter the garden, they take us into this waiting room. We wait there a little bit. We get. Uh, instructions, we receive the instructions, we are prepared to uh, move on to the garden, we learn about its etiquettes. we develop some skills that we are going to need in the garden. So we are waiting in the waiting room before the garden. Because the believer sees it, the world, as a waiting room before the garden, his world becomes beautiful. Thus, he endures and gives thanks in a state of patience. اللهم صل وسلّم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه بعدد جميع الحروفات المتشكلة في جميع الكلمات المتمثّلة بإذن الرحمن في مرايات موجات الهواء عند قراءة كل كلمة من قرآني من كل قارئ من أول النزول إلى آخر الزمان ورحمنا ورحمنا بوالدينا Barhamin Wal Rahimin Amin Alamin. O God, make us among the people of happiness, salvation, the Quran and faith. Amin. O oh God, send your peace and blessings upon our master Muhammad and upon his family and companions as many times as the number of the letters forming in the words that, with the permission of the Most Merciful, Ar-Rahman, reflect on the mirrors of the airwaves that emerge from the recitation of all the words of the Qur'an by all Qur'an reciters, from the time of its revelation, the Qur'an's revelation, to the end of time. Have equally much mercy on us, on our parents, and on the believing men and believing women, Oh the most merciful one of the merciful ones Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Amin and thanks and gratitude be to the nurturing master of the universe Rabbul Alameen. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wah wa rabbil Alameen, Al-Fatiha